Salut. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 57 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're not, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not give me a follow? Why not reach out to me over on Twitter? You can send me a DM or you can just tweet at me. I'm happy to engage with you. I'd love to interact. Questions, comments, concerns, topics, anything you want me to talk about on the show anything related to overwatch related to games in general i am happy to discuss of course you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends all that jazz if you do leave a review of course i will read it on air on the next episode no matter what that review says now of course i also encourage you to check out uh, another podcast by the name of ready set pwn where you can also catch me uh talking overwatch league specifically the vancouver titans and the toronto defiant with uh our other hosts there chris at light force and omni at omni strife that podcast is also available on podcast services everywhere now for today's show we of course don't have a ton of news about overwatch in general we do have a number of moves and trades and signings and retirements and things like that as we are in the overwatch league offseason so we will discuss all of those big moves and things that have been happening um with a one in particular striking me as quite exciting to discuss so without further ado let's dive on in magnifique Alrighty, now i actually forgot to mention uh just one little thing well kind of two little things uh the first thing obviously episodes might be a little shorter these days simply because of the fact of uh we are dealing with a bit of a drought in the news uh area when it comes to overwatch of course we will bring you all the overwatch league news that comes up um however there just isn't a ton going on right now so it's mostly we're mostly focused on the overwatch league um if other things come up i will of course talk about them but if they aren't going to then episodes might be a little shorter as we are currently week to week making it uh pretty sparse in terms of what we talk about now that said this episode is going to be your second last episode for October. So you'll be listening to this around October 20th. The following week, the 27th of October, will be your last episode for October. And after that episode, we will be going to uh, switch to an every other week uh, format, I believe. Now, I am looking at the calendar right now, and... It just dawned on me that I believe I might actually do one more episode after that. I might do November 3rd as well, which means I would then be doing every other week. So 17th and then 1st of December and then 15th of December and then 29th of December, etc., etc. All of that said, um, you will get all of your regular episodes in October. And then in November, we will likely be switching to every other week. Of course, we can do special one-off episodes if uh, if larger news breaks and things like that. And I will, of course, still be appearing on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast as well. So if you are feeling a little uh, starved of Sir Dr. JM, then you can, of course, catch me over there. Now, you should be catching me over there anyways, but I digress. Um, so all of that said, we'll finish off October here. And then you might get another week, November 3rd, but I might skip that week and go to November 10th. If I 
do post on November 3rd, I will skip the following week and the next episode will be November 17th. So I digress. That was a lot, but uh, you know, you get the idea. In November, we'll be switching to every other week uh, just because we're in the off season, you know, less news. As things ramp up with Overwatch 2, uh, which, you know, in theory should start no later than the new year, I would guess, I would hope at least. Um, then of course we'll go, we'll go back to week to week and maybe do some special episodes and things like that. So anyways, I digress. That was just a little bit of housekeeping for ya. Now, now that that's out of the way, we're gonna do just a little PSA, a little public service announcement. Of course, the Overwatch uh, Halloween Terror 2021 event is still on. We are currently looking at, uh, let's see, today is October 18th. This episode will post on October 20th, and the event runs through October, uh, November 2nd, pardon me. So if we are posting on the 20th, you will have just under one, two weeks to finish things off. The Skeleton Genji, as I speak, will be re uh, retiring. Uh, disappearing or, or we will be moving on from the skeleton Genji skin rewards uh, as of tomorrow so if you're listening to this then as of yesterday um, and of course we will be entering the week for the Einherjar's Zarya epic skin that was Einherjar Einherjar I don't know how to pronounce it but I digress hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad um, I actually didn't get the Genji skin I I got almost all the way there, and I just kind of didn't really feel like playing anymore, so I just kind of stopped. Um, I might still sneak in a few games and, and hopefully pick it up, because um, I do like that Genji, that skeleton Genji skin. Uh, the Zarya one is cool. It's it's okay, I guess, but I don't feel any huge desire to get it, especially because right now I am rocking the totally 80s uh, Halloween event uh, skin for Zarya anyways, and that one is much more fun, if you ask me. And all of that said, uh, I should, uh, cross my fingers, I will be attempting to get that, uh, that there Roadhog skin, because that one, for sure, is uh, definitely one worth having. So, with all of that said, get in there, get your wins, buy your skins if, uh, if they are ones you can purchase, um, because of course the event will only last until November 2nd. Now, with all of that said, we have, it looks like, one news story to go through today, which is uh, actually separate from the, uh, what do you call them, moves in the Overwatch League. So let's hop on over there and we'll discuss those. All right, so it's going to be a fairly .esports.com heavy episode here because, of course, we use Liz Richardson's uh Overwatch League 2021 offseason trade tracker when we go through the roster changes and moves and retirements and such. But this first story also comes from .esports.com with an article posted by Jacob Wolf uh, on October 14th, which reads, Report Activision Blizzard ending Overwatch Call of Duty League's competitive balance tax salary cap. Let's read on. Activision Blizzard is eliminating the competitive balance tax and sa soft salary cap for its Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, as first reported by the Sports Business Journal and confirmed by Dot Esports. The decision comes after the opening of a U.S. Department of Justice antitrust division investigating into the Overwatch League's practices. Dot Esports broke news of that probe in July, with an Activision Blizzard spokesperson confirming that the Department of Justice had opened an inquiry and that the game developer was complying. 
Quote, we have received an inquiry from the Department of Justice and are cooperating accordingly, end quote. An Activision Blizzard esports spokesperson told Dot Esports at the time, quote, we deliver epic entertainment to our fans and support our players and teams in producing the most competitive and enjoyable esports leagues in the world, end quote. The Department of Justice declined to comment on July 6th, and a Freedom of Information Act request for files related to and interview transcripts contained in the investigation by Dot Esports was denied on July 19th. The Civil Conduct Task Force subdivision of the Department of Justice's Washington office is looking into the competitive balance and uh, balance tax and soft salary cap, provisions that punish teams in the Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues that spend in excess of a certain amount on their roster each year. In 2020, the soft salary cap threshold equaled $1.6 million, according to league sources. Those policies could constitute a violation of the 1890 Sherman Act and precedent set in the 1965 U.S. Supreme Court case, Amalgamated Meat Cutters versus Jewel T. Co., which said, quote, union employer agreements, end quote, are outside of the scope of the Sherman Act. That exemption is what other East, what other pro sports leagues like the NFL, NBA, and MLB take advantage of given their relationship with their player unions. The Overwatch League and Call of Duty League do not have labor unions. So if you're like me, that article probably sounded like a fair amount of uh, gobbledygook and stuff that you didn't really understand. Um, I did a little bit of reading into what exactly this could mean for the league and players and things like that. And it's kind of interesting because the, the basic idea, idea behind the competitive balance tax is that um, teams have a sort of soft cap when it comes to how much they can spend on their players. So let's just, for example, say that cap is $1 million. Well, if you have, you know, five players, you give them each $200,000 per year, um, then you reach that cap. Anything over that soft cap that you then spend on additional players is actually taxed by the league, and that amount is then distributed amongst all of the teams in the league. So the idea behind that is it keeps things in line. It keeps teams from spending too much on players um, because in theory, they don't want to go over that and owe extra money because of however much they are over the soft cap. Now, if they are uh, getting rid of this this soft cap, essentially it means that players have the potential to earn more. What you know, there was nothing holding a team back from throwing the bag at a player um, and playing them or, and paying them, you know, handily kind of thing. However, it kind of de incentivizes a team from doing that because then, on top of the additional money they're paying in the salary, they also get taxed that difference between the soft cap and whatever the player's salary ends up being, I believe. And then that money goes to the league, goes to the other team. So it kind of benefits the other teams more than it does them. In theory, it balances out because, you know, they have this player that, or these players that they're spending the money on, um, and it is warranted. And then the rest of the money goes to the other teams. But in removing this, it essentially means that uh, that teams can basically freely pay players what they want. Um, there was always some leeway there, obviously, because they had to reach that, that soft cap before they were penalized. However, it means, in theory, they could just spend whatever they want on all the players they want um, if they are you know, a successful or a largely money-making organization or something to that extent. So... That's kind of the good side of it. Um, 
obviously I talked a little bit about the bad side there being it does mean that teams with more money are, you know, kind of going, have more potential to benefit than teams that don't have a lot of money. Um, so in theory, you know, successful organizations will be able to invest more into their organization um, and their, their players and things like that. Now, the other thing that is important to note is they point out at the end of the article there, uh, Jacob Wolf points out that the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League do not have labor unions which is kind of a big part of this, where that's probably why the Department of Justice was investigating them, is because they don't actually have a labor union. So in having one of these agreements, there isn't really anyone to, I think, uh, police that or make sure that that's okay, make sure that these players aren't being paid too much and, and that kind of thing. It's basically all on the league to just do it. And, you know, the league is not exactly a... Uh, impartial third party or anything like that um so i digress it's a bit of an interesting one um there's a lot going on there a lot a lot of legal jargon and things like that that honestly most of us don't really need to know or worry too much about so i digress moving on that, that and that i mean i was going to say moving on to our next story but realistically that is the only story i actually have outside of uh moves in the league and everything so i think now we'll move on to liz richardson's 2021 overwatch league offseason trade tracker Ooh la la. all right so last week we got to it looks like october 10th was the 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 story we read um i'll quickly give that a read just as a recap but i'm not going to cover those stories october 10th the vancouver titans dropped their entire 2021 roster including dps players linkser dalton and tiru or tiru as well as tanks changsik and fried wiener and supports fire and rolf Los Angeles Gladiators re-signed Kevster, and the Houston Outlaws DPS Happy announced his free agency. So, now that that's all over, we can continue on to October 11th. And on October 11th, the Overwatch League releases its contract status update. Now, this is actually something that we kind of talked about last week, I believe. Um, basically, the Overwatch League... Uh, releases uh, a player contract status update page on the overwatchleague.com uh, where you can go and you can actually look at any player's contract status so looking right now they break down by team you know atlanta rain damage uh edison free agent kai under new contract pelican 2022 option exercised uh, we'll we'll get to that they obviously haven't updated this article as of today i digress and then if you scroll down to the very end of that article uh, they also have, oh no, they don't actually have a list of free agents. Um, anyways, it's just basically lists the status of every player on the teams so that, you know, there's some level of transparency as to what uh, each player's status is. Now, um, that was kind of big because it did show a number of uh, sort of, I guess, reveal what the status of a number of players were and what the teams were were looking at, teams that may or may not have been trying to keep them, trying to sign them, trying to make a deal, uh, and what have you. So it did give us some level of transparency into what was going on with the league and teams and everything like that. Um, and I'm sure it also helps inform uh, some of the other teams about what's going on amongst themselves. So that was an important one um, that did actually happen last week. Uh, I think we, we knew about that when I recorded. So anyways, it's on here, so I digress. Moving on from there, October 12th. Soul Dynasty main tank Jester re retires from professional Overwatch. 
Houston Outlaws officially part ways with Crimzo, Happy, and Dreamer. Philadelphia Fusion head coach 9K departs the team. Fusion hires Jin as head coach. London Spitfire adds Christopher as head coach. Atlanta Rain parts ways with Edison and Iris. So, first big item there, of course, Soul Dynasty main tank Jester retires from play. So I'm going to jump over from October 12th to Liz Richardson's article, Veteran Overwatch League Tank Jester Retires. Another one of the Overwatch League's most iconic players is stepping out of the spotlight before Season 5 begins in April. Jester, main tank for the Soul Dynasty, announced his retirement from professional Overwatch today. In a nearly six-year pro career, he redefined how the role, the tank role was played. Though he played on GC Busan before the Overwatch League began, Jester is best known by his most of his fans for his time on the London Spitfire during the first two seasons of the league. As the team's main tank, he set the pace for his DPS players to dive in and demolish their enemies. Jester was a key part of the London Spitfire's Grand Finals victory during the inaugural season of the league. Two years later, Jester found himself in another Grand Finals as a part of the Seoul Dynasty. Though Seoul fell to the San Francisco Shock in 2020, Jester made his mark on yet another team. Quote, There were lots of tough days, but I was able to overcome the days with the help and support from the teams, close friends, and the fans. End quote. Jester said in a post about his retirement on Twitter. He becomes the second former member of the London Spitfire crew after Birdring to retire over the past week. Jester said in his post that he's not sure what he'll be doing next, but that he, quote, won't be pro-gamer Jester, end quote. He thanked his fans for all the love and support throughout his career. So, obviously, this is a big deal. This is a big one we wanted to talk about. Um, the London Spitfire themselves put this out in a tweet, uh, you know, with the typical message uh, from the organization and everything uh, directed towards gesture. Um, as Liz mentions there, another another great leaving the league, another big name, um, another uh, sort of hero from the early days who definitely made a huge impact on on most of the rosters he was a part of. As they mentioned there, um, you know, London Spitfire in the inaugural season, uh, as well as the second season, obviously second season didn't go nearly as anyone had planned, I don't think. Um, in terms of being heavily goats influence and things like that um but moving on from there coming over to soul and soul making it into the grand finals uh not this past season but the season before that uh to face the san francisco shock so gesture definitely leaving his mark on the league um and of course sad to see him go but all the best to, to gesture moving on from there we have the houston outlaws parting ways with Crimzo, Happy, and Dreamer. Uh, this one, really kind of, you know, not unexpected. And we did actually see, I think, some of these updates coming out from the players before the team officially announced it. So, you know, a little bit of background, obviously. One thing about Liz's article here is I don't believe she posts things on here until they are officially announced by the team. Uh, so with Crimzo, Happy and Dreamer, I know Crimzo for sure had posted his own sort of, hey, I'm now a free, free agent post. Um, but ultimately, this is when Houston announced it. They had some nice graphics with uh, with each of the players and thanking them and everything. Um, and this is the Houston Outlaws entering essentially a rebuild. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the only player they brought back was Dante. Um we will see something else uh, that may or may not be coming up here. Uh, yep, we'll see it in just a minute here. Um, but this is Houston, you know, officially releasing a number of their players. Honestly, 
it's kind of interesting. Uh, Crimzo is the only one out of those two who was in the league prior to this past season. Um, Happy and Dreamer, Happy especially, I thought made some pretty big impact on the Houston Outlaws. I really liked uh, watching Happy play. Um, so I'm sure he'll land somewhere. Dreamer as well, kind of taking over the tank role um, when the, the Jongu and Piggy uh, dynamic duo was broken up after I think that first May melee uh the tournament section whatever you want to call it they didn't make it into the tournament but you know what i'm saying um so anyways uh houston you know working on the rebuild and uh probably i'm just guessing looking to make some big moves that we might discuss in a minute here then philadelphia fusion head coach 9k departing from the team um another big one because of uh well well we'll see what happens on october 13th but another big one given philadelphia's uh, record and how they had performed last season, how they seemed to be performing this season, but just once again, not quite being able to finish anything. Um, so anyways, interesting to see that. Um, and obviously I would say a big part of it is what 9k had up his sleeves, um, moving on from there. So anyways, I digress there. Um, Jumping over one to the final bullet point from October 12th, Atlanta Rain parting ways with Edison and Iris. Not incredibly surprising. Um, honestly, the, those are more, more announcements that we already knew technically from the players, um, that the team was just a little lagging behind when it came to uh, releasing the official word on those. Um, but, uh, but anyways, there it is nonetheless. But the bigger story there that I want to talk about is the London Spitfire adding Christopher as head coach. Um, so this one I find quite interesting, given uh, given that Christopher is heading over there from the Philadelphia Fusion. So again, Philly kind of cleaning house, getting rid of their coaching staff, you know, 9K departing the team. And then, of course, Christopher, formerly of the Philadelphia Fusion, jumping over to the London Spitfire. Um probably hits a little closer to home for him than the Philadelphia Fusion, which is obviously nice. But I find this one to be particularly interesting given uh, what uh, the GM over there, Nuki, had uh, spoken about going into this past season because she had spoken about how the team in bringing up the British Hurricane roster into the London Spitfire and making them their main roster, how they were kind of looking to build around a core. They knew they weren't necessarily going to be a top competitor. Um, they weren't, you know, obviously if they won it all, that would be great, but they weren't necessarily setting that expectation. They wanted something to build on. They wanted to, you know, start a foundation and work with that team. And, uh, it's interesting now to see what is happening. Granted, I don't think Overwatch 2 was a known quantity at that point. At least now they know they're going to be playing on that. And I'm sure that has influenced the decision in part to let go of a number of the players that they did let go of. Um, but I think that also speaks to now they are um, looking to make some more significant changes. And of course, bringing in someone like Christopher, who has a ton of experience from the Philadelphia Fusion days, um, is probably going to be a big deal um i'm i'm quite excited to see this one and see what kind of an impact uh christopher can have on the fusion now as i mentioned that uh let's quickly read through liz's article here about this move october 12th philadelphia fusion london spitfire hire new head coaches this actually talks about the other announcement there most of the focus during the overwatch league offseason is normally on player moves but building a better coaching staff is also Critical, critically important for future success. Both the Philadelphia Fusion and London Spitfire announced new head coach additions earlier today. London 
instated Christopher, a former assistant coach for the Fusion, as its new head coach. Meanwhile, Philadelphia promoted Jin to head coach from its from its Overwatch Contenders Academy team. Oh, nice. I didn't actually know where Jin came from. Christopher was a former player in competitive Overwatch's early years who later moved on to coaching, working closely with Team United Kingdom in multiple years of the Overwatch World Cup. He was a part of the Fusion coaching staff for two off-seasons. Nope, two seasons. I don't know why I added the word off there. The Spitfire recently dropped six players and its former head coach, Fisher, ahead of the 2022 season. Christopher will now be a part of the team's complete roster revamp. As for the fusion, Jin fills the head coach position left by 9K's departure. Jin was former head, uh, former coach for the Guangzhou Charge and most recently coached the Fusion's Contenders Academy Team T1 in South Korea. Philadelphia is also likely to attempt a major rebuild, only re-signing Carpe and Flex Support Alarm thus far, according to the league's 2021 contract status update. The remainder of the team's players have announced their free agency or have retired. So uh, that actually is nice because that kind of paints a broader picture um, of the Philadelphia Fusions rebuild and, of course, the London Spitfires rebuild as well and how Christopher, you know, fits in there, how Jin fits into the Philadelphia Fusion. And uh, with that said, let's move on to October 13th so we can find out where 9K fits into the, into the picture. October 13th, Philadelphia Fusion officially parts ways with Off-Tank Poco, DPS EQO, and Main Support Funny Astro. Atlanta Rain parts ways with Main Support Masa. Florida Mayhem, Head Coach Kuki departs the team. 9K joins the San Francisco Shock as assistant coach. So, I'll start with Philadelphia Fusion, given we were just talking about them. Philadelphia Fusion officially parts ways with Off-Tank Poco, DPS EQO, and Main Support Funny Astro. Again, these were pretty much known quantities already, um, whether or not it was the contract status update page that spoiled those announcements, or the players themselves, uh, we did have an idea that those were happening. Now, what we didn't know about was 9K joining the San Francisco Shock as assistant coach. So if I jump over to the Shock's Twitter here, it was simply a tweet from them that says we're beyond excited to welcome 9K back to the Shock family as an assistant coach for the 2022 season. Welcome home, 9K. Um, I could be wrong. However, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 9K was actually with the Shock during their inaugural season, which I think was maybe... Uh, sorry, I guess would have been the league's inaugural season. If I'm not mistaken, San Francisco was one of the original teams, and I think 9K played for them, and then he uh, moved on from there. So anyways, that's an exciting one, because 9K, obviously, you know, for as much of a lack of success uh, the Philadelphia Fusion had, they actually were a very good, very competitive team. Um, for a while there, they had a reputation for just not quite being able to, to finish things off. Um, however... Uh, I don't think they they didn't have uh, an impressive roster or have a number of impressive runs and things like that. So hopefully 9K coming back, uh, you know, reuniting with, uh, or uniting. I don't know if he played with, or if he worked with Krusty before, but hopefully him getting a chance to work with Krusty, possibly again, um, results in good things for the San Francisco Shock. And, you know, regardless, just a an awesome move for uh, for 9K. Moving on from there, oh, uh, pardon me, before I jump on, Masa, we already knew about uh, parting ways with the Atlanta Reign. He was one of the very first free agent announcements, I believe. I think he made his own announcement. Um, nothing too exciting there. And then Florida Mayhem head coach Kuki departing the team. A um, little bit sad to see, but I mean, you know, nothing that the Florida Mayhem do 
is truly unexpected at this point. Um, complete rebuild is is obviously on the table for them and and already begun. So you know, seeing coach depart as well, nothing too shocking there. Uh, side note, they had an awesome flash sale going on, uh, and when I say awesome, I mean even awesome Canadian prices wise. And uh, I ordered two hoodies from them, so yay, those should be arriving uh, in the next couple of weeks before before November. So I'm excited about that. Moving on from there, October 14th, San Francisco Shock off-tank Choyobin retires. Toronto Defiant adds flex support Twilight. Philadelphia Fusion adds Chara as assistant coach. So first things first. Wish I could talk sometimes. First things first, San Francisco Shock off-tank Choyobin retires. I'm not even going to vamp about this one. Um, I'm going to jump right over to the article posted by Jessica Sharnagel. Uh, on October 14th, which reads, Choyobin leaves San Francisco Shock, retires from Pro Overwatch. Veteran Overwatch League Pro Choyobin said in an emotional post today that he's retiring from professional Overwatch. Choyobin joined the San Francisco Shock in 2018 and was a part of the team that won two Grand Finals Championships in 2019 and 2020. He's an off-tank, which is a tough role for anyone going into the 2022 season that will be played on an early build of Overwatch 2. Next year, teams will consist of one less tank player on each team. Choyobin, oh, pardon me, got something in my throat there. Choyobin was a beloved player in the Overwatch League. He was often described as selfless and would always comment on how valued his teammates were to him, even as he was accepting his MVP award in 2019. Oh, that was the end of the sentence, my bad. He's heralded as one of the Overwatch League off-tank greatest of all times. Choyobin had a successful career and he even won the 2019 Grand Finals MVP award. He's consistently been touted as one of the best off-tanks in the league. Two Grand Final victories are just the tip of the iceberg on what Choyobin and his team achieved since he joined in 2018. They won multiple stage playoffs in the 2019 season, which led up to their Grand Finals win that year. They then won two out of the three tournaments after the 2020 season switched to the tournament format and ended the 2021 season in fourth place overall. The Shock is undergoing a major update to its roster this year after dropping seven players in one day. Matthew Super Delisi and Minky Violet Park are now the only two left on the Shock ahead of the 2022 season. So uh, one thing I will mention there is go check out the San Francisco uh, Shocks tweet, uh, which are, they've actually got embedded in the article here. It simply reads, Today a legend retires. Since joining us in 2018 uh, at Troy Oban, it's not his actual Twitter handle, but I digress, has been absolutely indispensable to the team as a player and as a friend. It was an honor to be a part of your story. Thank you for making history with us, Troy Oban. And then they've got a, the, the reason I say go check out the tweet there is because they've got a little goodbye video for him. And uh, it's very nice and I am uh, upset to see Choi go. Um, I definitely think he was an awesome, awesome player. And I was actually pushing for him to get um, MVP of the league uh, last year. He was definitely uh, my pick, um, I think, last year and the year before. He just was such an impressive player. Um, granted, a little bit overshadowed by uh, by other really impressive players as well. Um, but I digress. Uh, he did not get the MVP of the league. He did get, you know, as they mentioned there, a number of other accolades. But ultimately, sad to see him go. Potentially a victim of the uh, switch to Overwatch 2's 5v5 and, of course, dropping that off-tank roll overall. Um, but ultimately, uh, ultimately, perhaps it was just time for him. Moving on from there, the Toronto Defiant adds flex support Twilight. 
So exciting stuff here, especially as a Toronto fan, as a sort of Vancouver fan, um, as an overall Twilight stan. Let's jump over to Liz Richardson's article October 14th on DottieSports.com, which reads, Twilight joins Toronto Defiant. The Overwatch League offseason has so far been filled with an unruly amount of drops and full-blown roster reconstructions, but good news is on the horizon as teams start signing new players. To kick off the signing season, the Toronto Defiant have picked up former San Francisco Shock Flex support Twilight. This acquisition would mark the first major free agent signing of the 2021 offseason and the first new pickup for the Defiant. Twilight has long been considered one of the league's best flex supports. Before his time in the San Francisco Shock, he was part of the Vancouver Titans' impressive 2019 season. Throughout most of 2021, Violet, uh, sorry, Violet, man. Twilight played alongside fellow Shock and support Violet as double flex support metas ruled the game. On October 1st, the Toronto Defiant committed to an entire roster rebuild ahead of the 2022 season, dropping eight players in a single day. Only DPS Hisu remained on the roster. Now he'll at least be joined by Twilight. Adam Adamu, head of esports for the Toronto Defiance parent company, said that Hisu would form, quote, the core of the 2022 roster in a Twitter post. Head coach KDG and assistant coach Yang Wan were also retained. Last season, the Defiance mixed roster found moderate success, but still never rose to the levels of other teams, finishing 7th in the West Region standings. So, there we go. Uh, you know, let's let's freaking go here, boys. I am ex- very, very excited for this. And if you listen to Ready, Set, Pwn, you would know that last week on that episode, I literally joked about Twilight coming to the Toronto Defiant. It was, you know, there, it was kind of rumored, like there were there were rumors floating around. But in my mind, it was all kind of, you know, funny, funny, haha. It was, it was definitely joking. Um, and I don't think anyone seriously saw this coming. Um, so when it was announced, I was just absolutely blown away and shocked and, and ecstatic, really. Um, this definitely increases my excitement for Toronto's upcoming season. Um, and I'm very, very excited to see who else they bring along to uh, to work with Twilight. Um, now, hopefully, they didn't just throw the entire bag at twilight hopefully they do still have um you know bags to throw and uh impressive players to build an altogether impressive roster um you know especially given what they did this past season where they they kind of had they had an impressive uh few players but then they kind of filled in the gaps with with relative unknowns and i don't think it truly paid off for them um i i think you know those unknowns uh were decent but just not quite as good as they they needed um so ultimately i i just am looking for some success from toronto i want to see them do well this next season so there you have it um other than that philadelphia fusion adds chara as assistant coach uh i don't really have too much to say about that um chara was a former overwatch league player that's all i really know i'm not really sure where he's coming from so i digress moving on from there October 15th, Seoul Dynasty adds DPS Stalker, retains profit and fits for 2022. Boston Uprising parts ways with off-tank Gable C. Um, I don't really have too, too much to say there. Um, if I pull up Liz Richardson's article here from October 15th, Seoul Dynasty adds Stalker, retains profit and fits for 2022. Um, I'm just looking to see what where Stalker comes from. Uh, promoting Flex DPS Stalker from its Overwatch Contenders Academy team, Gen.G Esports, to the main Dynasty roster next year. Uh, Stalker has been a part of Gen.G's 
Overwatch roster, which plays in Contenders Korea for nearly three years. The team placed second in the 2020's Gauntlet Throwdown in Asia. Despite his years of play, Stalker only recently turned 18 in August and is now eligible to play in the Overwatch League. So there you go. He'll be uh, working closely with uh, Profit and Fitz on the DPS lineup for Seoul. As for Gabolsi, uh, not entirely surprising. Um, you know, again, giving, given the limited uh, number of positions available for tanks now, um, and Boston, you know, continuing to be Boston, um, we'll see what they end up doing overall. Moving on from there, October 17th, we have the San Francisco Shock officially re-signing Main Tank Super, Los Angeles Gladiators parting ways with Main Support Moth, Philadelphia Fusion parting ways with Off Tank Hotbutt. Uh, so going in reverse order there, Philadelphia Fusion parting ways with off-tank Hotba. Um, again, another one that was kind of spoiled by the contract status updates. Uh, I think everybody saw this coming. I, uh, you know, again, Philadelphia Fusion, essentially complete rebuild. So there you go. Los Angeles Gladiators parting ways with main support Moth. A um, little bit surprising. Ultimately, I think Gladiators in some ways took a risk on Moth. Um you know, I, I suspect they threw the bag at Moth um, when they brought him over from the San Francisco Shock and ultimately didn't really pay off given, um, you know, when he did play, uh, he was good, not great. And then he was benched for, for uh, in favor of Skewed and uh, Shu for most of the rest of the season. Um, and I don't think he even played in the uh, countdown cup there where Los Angeles did finally see some success and of course win that overall tournament cycle. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me if they kept him on as, you know, one of those veteran voices, one of the, uh, kind of maybe more of a player coach kind of thing, um, without actually calling him a coach, but ultimately gladiators, um, right now, the only player they are retaining for sure is Kevster. So we'll see what they end up doing. And then, of course, there is the San Francisco Shock. San Francisco Shock officially re-signing Main Tank Super. Um, this one, not not incredibly shocking. I mean, shocking in that didn't seem like anybody was safe with San Francisco. And honestly, from the way they announced it, they definitely baited and trolled everybody. Uh, they made it seem a little bit like he might be going, but then. Um, then ultimately uh, they replied to their tweet and said, you know, thank him for coming back kind of thing. So I digress. Um, exciting to see Super stay with San Francisco Shock. It, it would have been cool to see him go somewhere else um, for the simple fact of, of uh, I don't know, where would he have gone? You know, who would have brought him on? And that, that, there's an alternate reality that could have been kind of cool um, to see that. However, uh Ultimately, what is San Francisco without Super, right? They are nothing. Maybe. Anyways, October 18th, Houston Outlaws acquire DPS Pelican in trade with Atlanta Rain. Florida Mayhem adds Gunba as head coach. Former Mayhem main tank OG and DPS BQB announce their retirements from professional Overwatch. So first things first, Houston Outlaws acquire DPS Pelican in trade with Atlanta Rain. We're going to jump over October 18th. Article by Liz Richardson on DottieSports.com. Houston Outlaws acquires Pelican in trade with Atlanta Rain. Crafting a new team is a difficult task, but the Houston Outlaws are starting off strong by nabbing one of the Overwatch League's best players. Houston announced today that it's acquired DPS Pelican in a trade with the Atlanta Rain. The trade was technically a buyout, meaning the Outlaws are only giving money to the Rain and won't release any players. Pelican, who previously played for O2 Blast in Overwatch Contenders Korea, was one of the most hyped rookies signed for the 2021 Overwatch League season. 
He was a critical part of the Atlanta Reign's successful year, which culminated in a grand finals appearance against the Shanghai Dragons. Despite health issues, like a collapsed lung, Pelican fought his way through difficulty to play for the Reign when the team needed him the most. This dedication, as well as his immense talent on DPS heroes throughout the season, nabbed him the 2021 Rookie of the Year award. The Houston, the Houston Outlaws have already confirmed that two players from 2021 will be coming back next year, DPS Dante and Off-Tank Piggy. Choi Junkbuck will also be returning as head coach. The rest of last year's roster has been released. So painting a much, uh, or, or slowly filling in the gaps on the Houston Outlaws roster, we now know that Dante is on DPS alongside Pelican, of course, with off-tank Piggy, and of course Junkbuck uh, sticking with the team. Meanwhile, uh, former coach Harsha has uh, retired, which we've talked about before. So anyways, big move for Houston. Um pretty huge given pelican was definitely i think far and away rookie of the year um you know it was an obvious pick by most um so exciting to see him to see houston bringing him on uh and you know again i've said it a couple times this episode but likely thrown the bag at him uh or at atlanta really to bring him over and that is kind of what houston looks like right now uh moving on from there we have retirements from bqb of course and og um og a little bit more of a uh more of a i don't know i don't know what to say um og kind of one of the classics uh in the league again um i really enjoyed seeing him play on the florida mayhem when he was doing well obviously he had some mental uh you know he got mentally boomed there towards the end of the season checkmate had to step in for him um and kind of step up to play the main tank role there uh but i digress sad to see him go sad to see bqb go um I think I had higher expectations for BQB this past season than he was able to fulfill. Um, given the season before that, BQB and Yaki both together uh, were able to really pop off and, and carry Florida on their shoulders And in a lot of ways. Um, I, I was really looking forward to Florida this past season, and ultimately they just could not compete. As for Florida Mayhem adds Gunba as head coach October 18th by Liz Richardson, again, .esports.com, I want to give this one a quick read. Of all the teams in the Overwatch League, the Florida Mayhem is among the few heading for a complete rebuild going into the 2022 season. After a total team wipe earlier this month, the reconstruction is finally beginning. That's not quite true because Yaki's still there. The team announced today that Jordan Gunba Graham will be the Florida Mayhem's new head coach. This is the first pickup for the Mayhem during the 2021 offseason. Gunba has a long history in the world of competitive Overwatch, playing since the game's beta period. He was part of some of the first competitive teams in the Oceanic region, and played support on Team Australia in the 2017 Overwatch World Cup. In subsequent World Cups, he, committed, he moved to committee and management roles. In the Overwatch League, Gunba has coached for both the Los Angeles Valiant and the Boston Uprising in assistant or strategic roles. After the western portion of the Valiant was axed in 2021, he retired from Overwatch and coached Mortal's Valorant team. Quote, he has a proven eye for talent, a great track record, and I can't think of a person better qualified to rebuild the roster with, end quote, said Albert Yeah, vice president of esports operations for the F Mayhem about Gunba. Last week, Florida's previous head coach, Kuki, parted ways with the team. As of October 18th, only DPS Yaki remains on the Mayhem signed roster. Florida has hinted toward the development of a mixed roster for the upcoming 2022 season. So, um, exciting one there. I wanted to mostly highlight that just for the simple fact of uh, Gunba moving away from Overwatch and now coming back um, is is exciting to see. Um, you know, obviously there was a, a bit of, you know, 
I don't know, the haters will say a bit of a mass exodus from Overwatch when Valorant came out with players like uh, Baby Bay and, of course, um, uh, was it Corey? I think Corey, uh, also from the Atlanta Reign, jumping over to Valorant and now, you know, finding somewhat successful careers over there. Um, but exciting to see players coming back as well, or players, coaches, what, what have you, coming back to Overwatch as well as we move into the fifth season of the Overwatch League. Now, with that, uh, that is all of the moves from this past week. Um, obviously, there's some big announcements in, in there. There's obviously some big retirements in there, as well as, uh, you know, some more minor stuff. But I digress. Um, exciting nonetheless. And, uh, of course, keep an eye on, on the league to, to see where players go and who is moving around. Now, with all of that said, uh, that actually brings us to the end of the show. So uh, let's wrap things up. Thank you. All right. So as you know, this was episode 57 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me there. I'd uh, There being over on Twitter, as I'd love to interact with you. Again, as I said at the top of the show, uh, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, uh, topics, anything you want me to discuss on the show, uh, you know, preferably video game related, not necessarily Overwatch related, just video games in general i'm happy to chat and uh talk about on the show i'd love to uh allow you to get to know me more but you gotta ask the questions so i know what to talk about um you can of course find this podcast over on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends all that jazz and of course Check out Ready, Set, Pwn if you'd like to catch more of me talking Overwatch League and specifically talking Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Now, that's all I've got for this week. We will catch you next week, of course, as we uh, wrap things up for October. And uh, by then, I will have made a decision about uh, what I am doing in terms of... Uh, um, when I'm going to be recording and posting and everything. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. See you then. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Merci.